And my time with the Lord, I've been reading the book of 1 Samuel. And several weeks ago, as I was reading this passage, I read a story about this lady named Abigail that I knew I had to share with our ladies today. We're going to talk about becoming a woman of honor. Now, as I said, I, this is going to be directly applicable to the ladies today. And ladies, I want you to think about, am I a woman of honor? Is that how my family, is that how about my husband, my children, is that how I would describe my life as I evaluate it before God? Well, we're going to learn how you can this morning. So if that's something you're interested in, perk up and pay attention. But it's also good for the rest of us this morning. It's good for us to consider what it means to be a woman of honor. Because first of all, uh, we can notice what kind of ladies are honorable among us, and we can affirm that to them. You know, it wouldn't be a bad idea for some husbands and for some children to go home today and say, you know what, Mom? You know what, honey? Uh, some of the things Pastor Robbie shared in the message today, I see those things in your life. Hi, moms, how would that feel? If your children walked up to you, if your husband walked up to you and said, that'd be a blessing, wouldn't it? And I want to encourage you guys and you young people to do that. But I also believe it's important for all of us to learn some of the principles that God's going to teach us through this story. And so uh, let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 25 together. Now, by the time it's over with, we're going to look at uh, this whole story. But we're going to start out by reading uh, 1 Samuel 25 verses 1 through 13. It says, then Samuel died. Now, that's a great way to start, isn't it? <laughs> uh, we can't, re <laughs> can't really uh, go, much, uh, go much further with that on this one right now. But the great prophet Samuel died, and all Israel gathered together and mourned for him and buried him in his house in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. It says, now there was a man of Maon whose business was in Carmel. And the man was very rich, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And it came about while he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the man's name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. And the woman was intelligent and beautiful in appearance, but the man was harsh and evil in his dealings, and he was a Calebite. Now it came about while he was shearing his sheep in Carmel that David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, visit Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say, have a long life. Peace be to you, and peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. Now I have heard that you have shearers. Now your shepherds have been with us, and we have not insulted them, nor have they missed anything all the days they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we have come on a festive day. Please give whatever you find at hand to your servants and to your son David. When David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words in David's name. And they waited. But Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants today who are each breaking away from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to men whose origin I do not know? So David's young men retraced their way and went back, and they came and told him according to all these words. And David said to his men, Each of you gird on his sword. <whistles> right? David's mad. <laughs> so each man girded on his sword, and David also girded his sword. And about 400 men went up behind David, while 200 stayed 
with the baggage. Now, let me give you a quick summary of what we've read in these verses. As I said, the great prophet Samuel had died, and that was a big deal. And David, who would one day be King David, was on the run. You see, God had chosen David to be king over his people, Israel, the Jewish people. David knew that. The current king, King Saul, knew that. No doubt many people knew about it or sensed that this is what God was up to. And as a result of that, you can probably imagine, if you haven't read the story before, that King Saul was jealous. He was threatened by that. And so he was trying to kill David. In fact, by the time this is all over, David was going to be on the run for about a year to a year and a half of his life. Now, at some point in those travels, David and his men had kind of run across some shepherds. And uh, they had treated those shepherds well. They had actually protected those shepherds. It says in verse 8, it says, David had said to, uh, in verse 7, David had said to uh, the, the message he had given, listen, they've been with us. We've not insulted them. They've not missed anything. Ask your men, they will tell you. And later we're going to find out David had actually offered protection to them. Now, when David found out, that the owner or the master, the boss of those shepherds, was in his shearing season, which uh, it says here a festival time. It just means a good time. It means he was about to have his harvest. He was about to make his money. Here's this guy, David, and his men has been hanging out with his shepherds, and now this guy's going to reap the benefit of all the work those shepherds had done, which had been helped by who? By David and his men. And so David just says, hey, now that things are going well for you, now that you're in a good time, you're reaping the benefit of that, could you possibly show some kindness to us and help us out just a little bit? But this man Nabal refused to help. He acted like he had no idea who they were. He says in verse 10, who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? And then he begins to question David. And he questioned his character. He says, you know, there are a lot of people today who aren't being obedient to their master. There's a lot of servants running around who are causing trouble. Maybe you're one of those guys. He begins to question him. He even gives a sarcastic remark about David that, that gives the impression here that, uh, that he was kind of uh, knew what was going on and he was supportive of Saul, not of David. Instead of honoring David, and instead of honoring God's hand on David with his best, did you see what he said? He said, shall I then take, not good stuff, basics. Nabal said, I'm not even going to give you the basics. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat, just the basics, and that I have slaughtered for my shears and give it to men whose origin I do not know. Nabal complained, listen, you're asking me for help. I can't even spare the basics for you to help you out, buddy. Wow. Thanks a lot, right? Hey, we helped you out. Now we're asking for just a little bit of kindness. And he says, absolutely not. And David got angry. David said, okay, buddy. All right. You want to play that way? You're going down. That's what David said. And he decided that he and his men were going to attack Nabal and his men. And ladies, y'all know, this is a great point for a woman to come into the picture. Amen? Here's where the woman of honor comes in, in total contrast to her husband. In fact, I can't bring out all the ways. I mean, if you study this passage, you're going to see there's an emphasis throughout this passage. Actually, the primary emphasis is good versus evil. It's emphasized throughout this passage, good versus evil. And really, Abigail 
is the good and Nabal is the evil, or David is the good and Saul is evil. That's the underlying story that's going throughout this. But I believe that that contrast that we see through her life are some of the lessons that God wants us to learn about becoming a woman or a person of honor. So let's talk about, first of all, a woman of honor pays attention. A woman of honor, in verses 14 through 17, we find out a woman of honor pays attention. Let me read those verses. It says, but one of the young men, one of Nabal's young men, told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet, or actually says, to bless our master. And he scorned them. Our master, actually the word means screamed at them. He said, Absolutely not. Get out of my face. I'm not going to help you. This young servant says to Abigail, says, Yet, the, yet the, the men, David's men, were very good to us. We were not insulted. They didn't mistreat us. Nor did we miss anything as long as we went about with them while we were in the fields. In other words, what? They didn't steal anything from us. They were a wall to us, both by night and by day, all the time we were with them tending the sheep. There again, there's the protection, right? They took care of us and made sure that we were protected. Then in verse 17, the servant says, Now therefore, Abigail, listen. Miss Abigail, know and consider what you should do, for evil is plotted against our master and against all his household, and he is such a worthless man. By the way, that's repeated throughout this passage. Uh, Nabal's foolish. He's worthless. He's basically good for nothing. I mean, this guy is about as bad as you can get. He's a worthless man that no one can speak to him. What is this servant saying? He said, Miss Abigail, we've, we're trying to get through to our boss, but you know him. He won't listen. Would you please pay attention because something is about to happen? Nabal had listened, but he had not paid attention. Do you understand what I mean by that? Nabal, when the men had come, had listened to their story, but he had not paid attention to it. He had not paid heed to it because he was that foolish man. He was not clued into the moment. Either he did not see what was happening or he chose to disregard it. All throughout the Bible, you see it illustrated. A person who lives their life in total disregard for God, like Nabal, may look like they have everything under control, but in a moment, their false security is taken away. And usually, they're undone by their own rebellion. Read about the king of Babylon in Daniel chapter 5. Look at what happened to him. Read about the rich man in Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 20. Here's a guy who says, look at how much stuff I, look how hard I've worked. Look at all that I've produced. I don't even have enough places to put all this. I'm going to build some more barns to put all my stuff. What did God say to him? You fool. This night, your soul is going to be required of you, and then what are you going to do with all your stuff, is basically what the Lord said to him. On the other hand, now listen, this is where we want to head, to be a person of honor. The Bible portrays God's people, godly people, people who have a heart for God as being sober, as being vigilant, as paying attention, as being on guard, as having their head in the game, as being engaged and on task. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, the Bible tells us, be sober, be vigilant, be alert. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 6-9. through 9, The Bible says, so then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober, paying attention, watching what's happening. He says, for those who sleep, do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we are of the day in Christ... We're not living in darkness. We're living in the daylight. We're living out front. We're paying attention. We're noticing what's going on. We're not falling asleep in the dark. 
Since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith. There's readiness. The breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. There's readiness, and also in that's implied what? Protection when we're ready, instead of getting caught off guard. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. These are awesome verses that I wish we could spend a little bit more time on what he's saying. That context is Jesus is coming again. That's the context of 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5. And it says, since Jesus is coming again, we should not be caught asleep. We should be paying attention. We should be alert and seeing what is happening, noticing, listen, bring this back to Abigail, noticing what is going on around us. A woman of honor is like that. She's paying attention. This servant said, Miss Abigail, something's about to happen. And even though Nabal, a foolish man, a worthless, I mean, in the sense of uh, the way that's described there, a guy that just had no, uh, no regard for God or for doing right. But Abigail was not like that. I heard a story this week about the great running back Earl Campbell. Anybody ever heard of Earl Campbell? He used to play for the Houston Oilers. Before he played for the Houston Oilers, he played for the Texas Longhorns. And Earl had been a great high school, full, or a great high school running back. When he went to Texas... He was a great uh, running back in college. But, you know, he went to college, and he, he was pretty good, and he got some attention, and he started feeling good about himself, and he had grown up in this little small town. And, and so he had sort of, you know, began to kind of think he was something. And one day, uh, he had kind of put off talking to his mama because, you know, he's kind of, he's busy. He's got important things to do with his life. He's playing football, and he's doing well. Well, he got to thinking pretty close to Thanksgiving. Hey, I'd like to come home for Thanksgiving. Obviously, every college student wants to come home for Thanksgiving, right? Wash your clothes, get a good meal, all that kind of stuff. He starts thinking about that. He calls her up says, hey, Mama, how you doing? She said, Earl, are you loving Jesus? He said, oh, you know, hey, classes are going well, football's going well, all this kind of thing. She said, Earl, are you loving Jesus? He said, well, Mama, listen, you, you know, you got to understand. I mean, I know we grew up in this small town and, you know, you go to church and Jesus is a big part of your life. She said, but I've gone off to college now. And in college, people don't always talk about those kind of things. It's not quite as important as it was to us. It's just a little bit different here. She kept saying, Earl, are you loving Jesus? Finally, he said, no, Mama, I'm not loving Jesus. Right now, I'm just not doing that. She says, well, when you are, you call me back. <laughs> okay. Well, Earl, he, you know, that shook him. That shook him. And he actually shook him so much, he didn't know how to talk to his mom. He, he didn't call her back for a while. He didn't come home for Thanksgiving. He stayed at college during Thanksgiving. And it began to wear on him. And he began to think about his mama's words. And he said, man, you know, are you loving Jesus? No, I hadn't been, but I, I was. I was, but I've gotten off track. And he began to think about that in his life. And he kind of got to thinking that Christmas and those good meals around Christmas were coming. I'm sure that had a little bit to do with it as a young man. But he called his mama back and she said, Earl, are you loving Jesus? He said, yeah, mama. Now I'm loving Jesus again. Something about a woman of honor, isn't there? There's something about a woman who's paying attention we saw it, we're going to see it in these verses, and, and we're going to see that it's important for all of us, but I think we see it in a special way in a great woman's life. They're not foolishly goofing off in life, they're paying attention. Sometimes we call it intuition, sometimes we call it discernment. 
but especially at, a, at, at important moments when God is at work, many times a woman of honor is paying attention, isn't she? She sees bigger than just her, hun, her son calling home from college. She had a sense that her son had gotten away from the Lord, and she went right to it. Abigail's husband was a fool with zero discernment. All he could see was self. All he could see was the moment. But Abigail was different than that. Ladies, I want to ask you a question. Is that the kind of woman you are? Are you a woman of honor? Are you a woman who listens to God? Are you a woman who's paying attention, who's led by God, who sees when God is up to something around you? I want to point something out before we move on. Abigail was paying attention, but we might say, well, what was she paying attention to? What was it that she noticed? Well, what's the obvious thing? What was the servant coming to say to her? Hey, listen, we're about to go down here. I mean, we're in trouble. These warriors, these fighters are coming, and our boss, he's kind of foolish. He's not, he's not, you know, not the wisest character in the world, so we're in danger here. Well, that's the obvious thing that we see, but I want you to understand, and I want, you to, I want to set this up because we're going to see it as we go through the rest of this passage, and I want to encourage you later because we're not going to have time to cover all of it to go back and look at this passage more closely because when you look at this passage more closely, you get a sense from Abigail that she just didn't see that her life that her family, that her servants, her workers were in danger. You get a sense that Abigail knew that God had his hand on David. You get a sense that Abigail saw a bigger picture that God was doing something. This was providential. This was a divine appointment. This was not just an everyday danger kind of thing. God was up to something. And she also, I believe, had a sense about what God was doing in David's life and that God was going to use her as his servant to protect, to protect his servant David at a very strategic point in David's life. We're going to see that bear out as we look at the rest of these verses, but let's look. Secondly, a woman of honor pays attention, but secondly, a woman of honor acts wisely. She was paying attention but she was also a woman of action. Let's read verses 18 through 35. It says, Then Abigail hurried. Remember her husband did what? When they told him something, what'd he do? He waited. We need some help. Can you help us? Let me think about it. What did Abigail do? She hurried. She got to action. And she took, he said, uh, they said, can we have some help? He said, I'm not even going to give you bread and water. What'd she do? She took 200 loaves of bread, two jugs of wine, and five sheep already prepared, and five measures of roasted grain, and 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs. I'm getting hungry, amen. <laughs> and, loaded, and loaded them on donkeys. She said to her young men, Go on before me. Behold, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. It came about as she was riding on her donkey and coming down by the hidden part of the mountain that, behold, David and his men were coming down toward her so she met them. Now David had said, surely in vain, you almost hear David talking to himself, surely in vain I have guarded all that this man has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him and he has returned to me evil for good. You can almost see him pounding his fist, can't you? Man, this guy, the nerve of this guy. May God do so to the enemies of David and more also if by morning I leave as much as one male and the term he used there is almost a slang term, so you can even tell through that he's, he's mad. As one male of any who belong to him. He said, I'm going to get this guy. That's what he's saying. 
When Abigail saw David, she hurried and dismounted. You can almost see her run over from her donkey and fell on her face before David and bowed herself to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, listen to what she said, on me alone, my Lord, be the blame. And please let your maidservant speak to you and listen to the words of your maidservant. Please do not let my Lord pay attention to this worthless man Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has restrained you from shedding blood, thank God, she says, I got here in time, okay? Hadn't happened yet. And since the Lord has restrained you from avenging yourself by your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek evil against my Lord be his navel. Now, don't miss this. Starting right there, you start hearing a little bit of a prophetic tone from Abigail. You get a sense that this lady had an idea of something special God was up to. You get a sense there that she's starting to see that her husband's about to get what's coming to him. He's been a terrible man. She's tried to live with that. She's tried to deal with that. She's tried to work through that. But she's getting a sense that God is doing something special here. Now let this gift which your maidservant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who accompany my Lord. Here's the food you asked for, is what she said. Please forgive the transgression of your maidservant. Now listen to this. For the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house. Because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord. And evil will not be found in all your days. Should anyone rise up and pursue you? To seek your life, then the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will sling out as from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord does for my Lord, according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you, and appoints you ruler over Israel, this will not cause grief or a troubled heart to my Lord. She said, listen, God's doing something in your life, and when he does, you won't regret this. Both by having shed blood without cause... And by my Lord having avenged yourself, himself. When the Lord deals well with my Lord, by the way, she says, don't forget about me either. Then David said to Abigail, listen to the heart of this godly man. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Don't forget, David's stomping mad, right? I mean, he's like, I'm going to get him. And now he breaks out in a worship service. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed be your discernment. And blessed be you who have kept me this day from bloodshed and from avenging myself by my own hand. Nevertheless, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from harming you, unless you had come quickly to meet me, surely there would not have been left to Nabal until the morning light as much as one male. So David received from her hand what she had brought to him and said to her, Go up to your house in peace. See, I have listened to you and granted your request. A woman of honor acts. She acts quickly and she acts with wisdom. What did Abigail do? She moved to act quickly in a very generous way. Instead of being cruel, instead of being stingy or unthankful like her husband, verse 18 tells us that she took David and his how many men, ladies? 600. Can you imagine fixing dinner for 600 people? And not bread and water. She took them 
bread and wine and meat and things that the things that she mentions here are sweet things, good things, and things that would have uh, been uh, long-lasting to preserve. And she brought an abundance of those things. She also humbled herself, didn't she? The Bible says she took off. She cut them off at the pass is what she did. <laughs> I mean, they were heading uh, to take care of Nabal and his men. She cut them off and she hurried. She fell on her face. She bowed down. She humbled herself. She said, please, at least three different times in this passage. She also took responsibility for this problem. Now, that's incredible, isn't it? Both Abigail and David both knew this was completely whose fault. This was Nabal's fault. It was the result of this person that she and David both had to admit was a bad man. She admitted in verse 25, my husband's a bad man. But she says this, she says, listen, I'm the lady of the house. And when people come to ask for help in regards to food, I should have been there. I'm sorry I wasn't there. I didn't see your men. I wasn't there to welcome them or to greet them. I should have been the one to talk to them. I'm sorry for that. It's my fault. And I'm asking you, not like my husband, I'm asking you to please forgive me. Something very important. She reminds David of the big picture. Of God's perspective. You see, David had gotten angry. David had begun to take things into his own hands. And this honorable woman, unlike Job's wife, is it Job chapter 2, verse 9, where Job's wife says, curse God and die? Instead of saying that to David, this lady says, listen, David, listen. Listen, hold up. I, I know my family's in trouble. And, and, and I'm asking you to spare us, to have mercy on us. And I'm taking responsibility for this. Please hold me accountable for this. But she said, David, listen. God's doing something in your life. God's doing something big in your life. And listen, the, what, the reason this is so important in this story, this is almost a parenthesis in David's running from Saul. This is a representative story of the bigger picture of what was going on in David's life. God is preparing David to be a what? To be a king. And Abigail says, listen, David, do you understand how special you are to God? Do you understand the plans and the purposes that God has for you? Don't start out your kingdom. Don't start it out dealing with problems like this. What does like this mean? Yourself. Don't do that. Because later, it's going to have an impact on that kingdom. Wow. Did you hear it in verses 28 and 29? She says, listen, please forgive me, but the Lord is certainly going to make for you an enduring house. She reminds David that God had special plans to give David an everlasting kingdom. Where did this lady get this stuff? I don't know all the answers. I have some senses. I have some guesses. She had a real sensitivity to God, didn't she? Amazingly, in verse 29, she reminded David of the intimate relationship that he and God had. She said, David, listen, why are you worried about my husband? Why are you worried about a man like him? She says, should anyone rise up to pursue you and to seek your life? By the way, as I'm reading that, who else am I thinking of? Saul. Because Nabal's going to be quite a, kind of a quick problem, but Saul's going to be ongoing. He says, should anyone rise up to seek after your life, then the life of my Lord, now hear the wording, the terminology, the life of my Lord shall be bound up in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. That was terminology that the Jewish people used for something that would be wrapped up and protected like jewels. And it was actually, they would put it on their tombstones. 
as a representative of when they died, that they were taken care of and protected as a precious jewel by God. Isn't that awesome? She says, David, listen, you're special to God. God takes you, and he takes a pouch, and he takes you like a diamond, and he wraps you up in his pouch. Who's going to hurt you? And then she says in verse 29, but the lives of your enemies he will sling out as from the hollow of a sling. Hmm. Back about eight chapters, what happened? David had killed a giant with a sling. She said, David, David, why are you worried about Nabal? Why are you worried about him? God has shown you all along that he will take care of your enemies and he will provide for you miraculously and victoriously. She says, David, you're going to regret this later. Ladies, what we are seeing in this lady is so important to the men in your life. To the little boys, please pay attention. Ladies, to the little boys and to the big boys, to your husbands. The men in your life need to know that you believe in them. And they need for you to remind them that God has a special plan for them. You know what the struggle is for many ladies? They don't believe that. They don't believe that God has a special plan for their husband. They don't believe, they struggle, they want to believe, but they struggle to believe, is, is my husband ever going to be the person that I hoped that he would be, that, that, that God could make him to be? But listen, ladies, that comes across. And I want to challenge you today to be like Abigail, to be a lady who acts wisely and who sees what God is up to, a bigger picture, and who believes in God's work in your husband. Instead, many times in this world, we see ladies attacking their husband. We see ladies putting down their husbands, even publicly in front of other people. We see ladies treating their husbands as worthless or, or they can't do anything right. They can't ever get anything right. Ladies, I just want to tell you, that's not very wise. It's not very honorable. Would you be like Abigail? Would you truly believe? I'm not saying fake it. Because guys know if you're just faking it. Just because Pastor Robbie said you should say some nice words about it. Guys know that. But in the depths of your heart, would you truly believe that your man, God has a special plan for him. And you're going to treat him like that. Then she asked help for herself. You know what? I don't want to read too much into this, but as you look at the whole context of this story... I think Abigail knew a lot more than what's on the surface here. Now she says, she says, listen, uh, when, you, when all this is over with, you're going to have no regrets because of this, because you didn't do the wrong thing here, you did the right thing. And then she throws in there, when the Lord deals well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. Now that might have just been, hey, be nice to me and my people after all. <laughs> you know, when you get to be somebody important, would you just remember us? It might mean that. I have an idea that it might have meant a little bit more than that. She knew God was working in David's life in a special way. How'd she know that? I don't know. She knew that her husband was about to go down. I, have a, I think she had a sense that some, he was about to get what he deserved all along. Not because of her, not because of David, but that she had a sense God was about to take care of her husband. And while there's no indication that she acted inappropriately in this context in any way, is it possible that way back in the depths of her mind, she even, know, she even knew that she was about to be David's wife? I don't know that. But whatever level it was, Abigail, she was a pretty sharp lady. She saw God working. There was boldness, but did you notice there was also humility? I mean, just an awesome lady. This is a great example 
of how to be a woman of God, a lady of honor. And David noticed the specialness of this lady in her words. Now, before we move on, I want to answer this question. You might say, well, we're calling Abigail an honorable woman, but, but isn't she supposed to respect her husband? Wasn't it wrong for her to go behind her husband's back? Well, a couple things I'd say. Yes, ladies are to honor their husbands, but no matter who we're dealing with, ultimately who we're to honor. We're to honor God. Now, sometimes that's hard to weigh out, isn't it? Okay, God, your word says I should honor this person, but your word also says I should do this. And so we should do everything we can. We're going to see this through Abigail. When we read the next part of these verses, you're going to see how she was trying her best. You can see what an honorable lady she is. She didn't go one extreme. She didn't go the other. She was trying her best to avert a terrible tragedy, but she also was trying her best to honor her husband's role in her life as well. And we'll see that here in just a minute. By the way, this was by no means normal circumstances. There was something going on here, and Abigail was in tune to that. I don't know how she knew that. Somehow God had worked in her heart that, that all this stuff that had been happening, there was a bigger picture going on. And I don't believe she was getting ahead of the Lord. I believe she was responding to God's leadership as God was about to move. The final thing, a woman of God is paying attention. An honorable woman acts wisely, but finally a woman of honor is rewarded. Look at verses 36 through 37. In, in every way, Abigail acts honorably here. Then Abigail said to Nabal, and behold, or came to Nabal, and behold, he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. Remember, this is party day. This is harvest day. Hey, this is what we've been waiting for. Some money came in. Let's have a party. And Nabal's heart was mere within him, for he was very drunk, so she did not tell him anything at all until the morning light. But in the morning, now hear this lady, trying her best to honor God and in the midst of that to honor her husband. But in the morning when the wine had gone out of him, his wife told him these things. She told him what had happened. The Bible says, And his heart died within him so that he became as a stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept back his servant from evil. Basically saying, God took care of my problem, and he kept me from taking care of it. The Lord has also returned the evil doing of Nabal on his own head. Then David sent a proposal to Abigail to take her as his wife. When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her, saying, David has sent us to take you as his wife. She arose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, Behold, your maidservant is a maid to wash the feet of my Lord's servants. Then Abigail quickly arose and rode on a donkey. Can't you just see her? Preciously, beautifully, regally even. A woman of honor. And rode on a donkey with her five maidens who attended her and she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. God rewarded this woman. Now I hate to say that God rewarded her, by his husband, her husband dying, but that's what happened. God finally took care of her problem. He took care of, of Nabal and his problem. Nabal finally got what was coming to him, and God didn't need to do that, and Abigail didn't need to do that. God was going to hold Nabal accountable for his meanness. Somebody said the original beauty and the beast was now over. <laughs> it was gone. What happened to Nabal? I think he was a coward. I think when he found out about this, there, a couple of things are probably coming into play here. 
He was a coward and he found out that some warriors were after him the day before and didn't even know about it. He'd been drinking and he could have died the day before. And that scared him. It locked him up. I think part of it too, he's still stingy. I think he, it drove him nuts as he checked the inventory to find out this, this lady, my wife, has given away all this good stuff to these people. That's how stingy he was. But whatever happened, the Bible says it locked him up. His heart died with him. He had a heart attack. He had a stroke or something. It appears that he went into a coma or some kind of vegetative state. And 10 days later, the man died. Then in verses 39 through 42, God worships, or David worships the Lord for being in control. And I have a feeling that this probably, knowing David, because he's much like Abigail, I have a feeling that David put the two together. God is teaching me, I'm running from Saul. God is teaching me that he will take care of me. And I don't have to take matters into my own hands. God will be my defender. And then David gets smart and what's he do? He marries this awesome lady. <laughs> I mean, hey, you're available now. Hey, would you be my wife? And God rewarded Abigail big time for being such an honorable woman. Ladies today, does that describe your life? Are you a lady who's paying attention? Or is life just kind of passing by? You're just responding to life. You're just trying to make it. Are you a lady who's on top of things? You're sensitive to God's spirit. And when God is doing something, you're paying attention. You're alert to that. Ladies, you're, are you a lady that acts wisely? You know what I find many times? So many of us, like David, and like Abigail could have, we try to take matters into our own hands, don't we? And we need to trust the Lord. That's what Abigail did. She trusted God. Now, she recognized when God was working, no doubt for years, she had prayed about this situation. God, would you help me? Would you change my husband? Or, or would you free me from this terrible situation? Or whatever. Well, I don't know all the details. But no doubt she'd trust in the Lord. And that's why I think she was seeking. And when the time came, she knew. Now, isn't it amazing that when she knew that God was up to something, she didn't try to manipulate it? She could have said, good, David's about to take care of the old boy. Right? But even in the midst of that, she was listening to the Lord and trying to be a woman of integrity and honor. Isn't that amazing? Ladies, are you a lady of wisdom? What an awesome thing to see is a woman who's paying attention, who sees more, who has that discernment, who has that, that intuition maybe, has that leadership of God's spirit, who allows God to work in and through her life, who doesn't try to manipulate or control situations, but lets God take care of things in God's way. But also, and I don't know how she did this, the interplay between not manipulating but still allowing God to work through her. She did allow God to work through her. She didn't just say, oh, I'm just going to check out the situation. She was engaged with it. God was working through her, but she wasn't making her plan go. She was just responding to the Lord. Ladies, is that you? The promise of God's word is, if you will live for the Lord like that, he will reward you. I don't know your situation today, but you're going to have to trust the Lord with it. He will reward you. For all of us here this morning, the challenge is really the same, isn't it? Will we be a person like Abigail? And really, she's the main character here that I believe God wants us to learn from. But if you look at the bigger character study, you're also seeing the man David too, right? What an awesome guy. That yeah, he struggled like you and, and, and I do. And anger came over him. 
And he was about to take care of something himself, but when God spoke to him, what did David do? Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Tomorrow, I was about to quit my job. Tomorrow, I was about to leave my family. God, tomorrow, I was about to cut this relationship off. But God, you have spoken to me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see it. I hear it. I respond to it. Is that you today? Or are you being stubborn? You know God's speaking to you. And you're saying, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. Do you know what that looks a lot more like? Who? It's more like Nabal, doesn't it? Yeah, I heard. But I'm going to do what I want to anyway. Friends, it's all throughout the Bible. That's a foolish way to live. The weird thing is it makes sense to us. I want to do my way. And the Bible warns us, your way will not work. God wants to make your life a life of honor. Would you trust it to Him right now? Bow with me in prayer. Let's talk to the Lord.